This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Well, is the exception. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and's a saint. The rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French, fuck those fuckers. Hello, and welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series The Boys and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. And we are back. I feel like we took a little bit of like a summer break, you know, because we, although you guys will not have felt any kind of break at all, but we took a little bit of a break for summer, for the summer uh, bonkersness. And we are back to cover season two, episode one, The Big Ride. And Rachel, I sent you a text today to prepare for this episode. Did you watch it? Oh, I did. Yep. Watched, you know, Starlight's music video and it got me in the mood. You know, I was like, yes, the boys are back in town. Yes, I know. (laughs) Also, I just love that they like produce this music video, which I know we're going to talk more about, but just Mm -hmm. the fact that this completely spinoff music video outside of the episode is just so silly and funny. And loved it. Great way to start off this brand new season. I agree. I've been waiting to cover this song in particular. And of course, we're talking about Never Truly Vanish, Starlight's tribute song to the fallen translucent that we see her perform live. Um, I cover I wrote a thing about Starlight a while ago, and I really did kind of a deep dive on this song. And mm. it just made me love the show so much more. The fact that they took the time to do this because it's not a cheap video like they have to oh. like animate all or whatever they do to make those invisible dancers invisible. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just perfect. So. Also, wait, okay, you did, is it really her singing? It is really her singing, yeah. Dang. I know. Moriarty. <laughs> yeah, now they wrote it specifically for her range. Yeah. Um, which I think is maybe a little bit low, like I would probably say she's an alto, which mm-hmm. is the best voice, but yeah, um, yeah I'm not biased, but, <laughs> but yeah, she's really singing it. Apparently she was really singing it live during the funeral scene, and wow. they were they were going for a big like Whitney Houston kind of like feel and I think they captured it like when she like when her her hands glow like I get chills it's so emotionally manipulative and I just I love it so much so we're back baby our heroes never die even though sometimes we can see right through them and never knew them it's oh my god the lyrics are so funny too okay I'll stop gushing about this song until it's time to actually talk about it (laughs) Let's go to our first category, which is Huey Cutie and the News. So, Rachel, do we have any updates? A few little minor ones. So just want to point out, you know, at you know, as of the time of this recording, the WGA and SAG after strike is still ongoing. And, you know, this, of course, includes a lot of the people who are working on the boys, both on screen and behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And we've, you know, they've been really open about sharing pictures, you know, that they're out there. Jack Quaid has been out there a ton and the writers and stuff like that. So it's, I mean, again, just really sweet to see like the whole boys team out there a lot picketing together and all supporting each other. So while season four has wrapped, it's still uncertain when Amazon is going to choose to drop it. I think they've been holding that info close just because they don't even know. They're like, yeah, I'm not sure yet what's going on with this. Um, 
So TBD there, but also just want to point out that it should go without saying that Jen and I both obviously um, fully support the strikes and will continue to support all those striking and just, you know, pay people what they deserve. Yes, studios. We want season four, but we don't want it at the expense of anyone's livelihoods or future careers. Yeah, this is a show, obviously, that writing is a huge critical factors and talent so exactly pay those writers damn it mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um but we've also got this gen v spinoff um to kind of look forward to which they've been talking about more and is currently set to premiere with a three episode run on friday september 23rd and you know i'm it's funny it's like i'm not exactly sure or convinced you know, if this show is necessary, but then again, I'm only, you know, we're only entering season two, so I don't even know what's to come. And I guess the time will tell if this is a worthy spinoff or not. Yeah. It's kind of like ice cream, you know, like on one hand, it's like, yes, ice cream is delicious. Give me all the ice cream. On the other hand, like, do we really want to eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? So I don't know. It's sometimes a tricky a balance. I feel like I mm-hmm. trust them. Yeah. And I'll always at least try more of the boys. I say not having watched the animated series. So, <laughs> And I will also say Rachel and I had a conversation before we started recording about how we're going to cover Gen V. I think we probably are definitely going to cover. We probably are definitely going to. Those are great words, aren't they? Probably, definitely, maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> We're not exactly sure how that's going to be. We'll, we'll definitely let you know once we have figured it out. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I have lobbied for them to change the spelling of it to J-E-N-N-V. Still have not heard back yet. But, yeah, we'll you know, I'm anxiously I'm await that reply. <laughs> exactly. I feel like the strike is holding up their response. So, you know, take your time. <laughs> It's okay. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, speaking of names and my awesome jokes about names, the name of the game is our next category. And today's episode is called The Big Ride. And our official description is, I got to read this with gusto because there are lots of exclamation points. Season two, new and improved, now with 50% more explosive decapitations, terrorists, S&M hookers, cults, and a new pine fresh scent. But wait, there's more! Two times more blood, guts, and gore. I'm sorry, that was not enough gusto. Two times more blood, guts, and gore than the other leading brands. This exclusive offer is available only on Amazon Prime Video. Don't delay. Order now. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I love it. Sold. Where do how do I order? What's exactly. <laughs> I love these descriptions. It just like I don't know. It's as a person who writes many, many podcast descriptions, it can be really fun to write those little blurbs, you know. Yeah. Mistakes are it? so low too, so you can really do it over the yes. fucking lot. <laughs> and it's just you yeah, it's back. It's season you gotta kick it off better, exactly. bigger and better than ever. So We're that's back, baby. That's what they're doing. And this episode was directed by Philip Scritchia. Sorry, Philip, if I said that. (laughs) I think we nailed Um, it. I think we got it. That's it. That's it. Nailed it. Um, If that name maybe sounds familiar, maybe it's because I said it right, but maybe not. But we did talk about him previously as he also directed season one, episode three, Get Some. So they brought him back. Yep. He's a producer, director, editor also worked on Supernatural and Smallville. So he's in the uh, 
the Kripke camp. And so mm. he's back kicking off the season and yeah, he knows the team and it served him well because I loved this episode. Yes. Oh, I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about it. So much shit goes down. But before we do, let's catch up to where we were in our next category, Sup with the Soups. This is a section where we'll recap what's been happening and meet our fearless soups and boys where they are. Rachel, what's been going on? Yeah. So you guys listen, like we've got a whole episode with our dear friend, Randall Colburn, where we we recap season one. You can find that episode in the feed. So because of that, we're going to keep this kind of short and sweet. No need to rehash. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Old tired territory, but we'll give you a little fun recap here. So boys, season one stars (laughs) Huey, a sweet but aimless electronics technician who gets involved with a band of misfits with a super version led by Billy Butcher after A-Train runs through his girlfriend. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, Starlight becomes the newest addition to The Seven, which is amazing, but then gets her illusions about Vought and Huey dashed in the process. Um, Homelander lets some resentment and bitterness Fester and turns turning him into a true monster on a massive power trip, uh, but only behind the scenes, right in front of the cameras, all smiles. And Madeline Stillwell suffers a killer case of burnout. <laughs> uh, the Deep gets cast out to sea. Black Noir continues to mystify, and Queen Maeve begins to search for her long lost crown. Aww. And then there's Compound V, but that's a whole other thing that's going to continue here. So, you know, I think that's pretty good for now. <laughs> I think so. I think that's great. I love that. You know, because we. We've covered a lot of this stuff in very, very minute detail. So check it out if you want more conversation about last season. But yes, that was perfect. And let's, without further ado, talk about our bad boys. Now, in our, I think, two episodes back in our season one finale episode, one of your predictions was, mm-hmm. or one of your hopes was that we were going to learn a little bit more about this mysterious Mr. Edgar. And I think. This is just the perfect way to introduce him with, is this Sympathy for the Devil? Is that the song? Mm-hmm. The yeah. song? I loved this opening. I loved, mm-hmm. well, both of it. I wanted more Blackmore. Uh-huh. I wanted more Mr. Edgar. And we get both in the opening. Like they were, it was like, yes, they heard my pleas um, in the past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, working backwards, but I loved it. Yeah, we see Blackmore out there killing terrorists in his very sneaky stealthy fashion and then yeah mr edgar also having some very serious conversations that you know about soups joining the military which Mm. clearly i think that's what black noir is doing here acting on behalf of the american government and this conversation was fascinating to me like you know the whole thing where they were talking about 34 percent casualty rate you know, yes. Uh huh. Officially, it's zero, but <laughs> secret but unofficially, silence, yeah. yeah, it's actually like thirty four percent. It's like, wow, that's a big thirty four percent. So that that's your goal, well. you know? Like that's not even worst case scenario. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really chilling. I don't think I noticed that the first time I watched it, and then I watched it again today to kind of catch myself back up and like, oh, holy shit. Um. And I love this whole conversation is playing out as someone like passes out their like Panera order 
or mm-hmm. something, which I think is just a perfect way to tell us what the stakes are to them. Like they, they don't give a shit. This is just another day at work for them where they're talking about like 34% of people right. in the city dying because of some soup thing, you know? Yeah, it's just the idea that like just people in a boardroom making these massive critical decisions that could really <laughs> hugely influence people's life in the real world. But to them, it's just, you know, numbers and paperwork and debating and, you know, who's going to win this argument or whatever and who's in power at this moment. And it's just, yeah, then, yeah, but it's also lunchtime. So. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I love the pairing of these two characters, too, because they have been very mysterious in the past and Mm -hmm. they are both I think very charming in a certain way like they're they're you really want to know more about them they can be very like erudite I don't know if that's quite the word and I don't know if black nor I don't know he sat down and played a mean piano so I think he's pretty sophisticated (laughs) but and I don't I can't remember if this is a spoiler or not it's not a major spoiler if it is but like They've both been at Vought for a long time. Like, yeah. Black Noir, I think, actually predates Homelander. And so it's just really interesting. It feels like like the dads are coming in and kind of cleaning up, you know, or like taking care of business. Because this, this soup terrorist that was like a big thing in the last season, they just took him out. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, now we're in the military. Now we're doing it. And, you know, the the gloves are off, you know. Oh, yeah. This whole episode i think that's you know one of the big themes that we're gonna talk about more and more as we keep going is just yeah that this interesting sort of like power struggle and like these obviously a lot of things have changed we've lost Mm -hmm. some people we've lost some major people like madeline who was you know an upper management kind of person Mm -hmm. and so now mr edgar is having to step in and fill more of that role and he is um also very powerful like madeline was powerful and she was strong but it's like mr edgar i feel like is on a whole other level like he is Mm -hmm. truly like you know he's the dad you do not mess with i feel like yeah and i mean what better actor to play that role you know than john carlo esposito he's just gus fring still love him um and we see like later in the episode that like everyone is afraid of him. Like mm-hmm. you drop Mr. Edgar's name and we have seen Homelander back down. He does it. We saw him in the ep- season one and then we saw him do it again here. And then when they have their confrontation, I feel like we're going to talk about Homelander in a minute, but I feel like he's very emboldened yeah. by what has happened at the end of the season. I think he kind of looking at like getting rid of Madeline and so murdering Madeline kind of, I think shed a, le- a level of like, carefulness that he was bringing to his persona you know or he got rid of a whole lot of fucks that he had been giving and right now he's coming he's waltzing around he's like i can do whatever i want and mr egger's like oh no 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 you can't yes. but he says it in the most cultured way possible and makes me just love him it feels like the difference between somebody who has lived in their power for a very long time and somebody who has just like recently like stepped into their power right so it's like homelander is just kind of new to this whole thing like finally he's like yeah you know i'm grabbing life by the reins and i'm taking control and mr edgar's like oh no honey (laughs) exactly i'm like that's sweet of you but like no i've been holding these reins for the last 30 years sorry Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just that kind of 
difference in the style and the emotion aspect of it. Mr. Edgar's so controlled and mm-hmm. calm and cool and collected. It doesn't mean that he's not upset. It's just like he has such control over his emotions that he doesn't have to use he doesn't have to use anger to threaten. Mhm. Like he's above that and that is so cool to me. Like I mean like I don't want to work for him by any right. <laughs> stretch of the imagination, but watching him like as this character Ooh, he just gives me goosebumps because it's like, oh, Homelander, you fucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. And like we talked in the last season a lot about like being strong and appearing strong. And I think we see kind of opposite ends of the spectrum here. And it reminds me of this quote that's like pinging in my brain that I know I'm going to fuck up. But it's like real power doesn't need to proclaim its powerfulness you yeah. know and that's what homelander i think does and he's like i'm the strongest and i can come kill you and he's like no no i have the real power and i sit in the shadows and that's how i keep it you know right and yeah. i think homelander has never really been confronted with that before he calls him a man child and i, <laughs> I love it like that is awesome i mean that's what he is basically Mm -hmm. like that is how he operates and kind of where like how his emotions govern him it feels very childish but i just love that he calls him out on that and is like you are being a baby exactly yeah and you know what would he be who would he be if there were more people in his life that could and would do that with him um And we learn a little bit about the history of Vought also, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen Oppenheimer yet, but did you catch Mm. the Oppenheimer reference? (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, but I am familiar enough with the history. (laughs) Um, But yes, also not surprising. I loved learning that little bit. And that's like fascinating to me because it's like, oh, Vought goes back. Mm -hmm. And... So it's like there is some history there, not some good history, mm-hmm. but also, yeah, not surprising. And it also just frames this entire company a little bit differently. Like, clearly, they've been up to some, you know, not great things over the years. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, you, I mean, you add in the whole Nazi thing. <laughs> that's just a whole other level of not good things. So, yeah, hmm. it's not totally surprising. No. Um, but yeah, it's like what's shocking but not surprising, you know? Right. Um, and it is interesting because Mr. Edgar like explicitly reframes the company. He says, We are not a superhero company, we are a pharmaceutical company. And that pharmaceutical is about or that drug is about to become public. And I mean, it hasn't yet, and we don't know who's gonna make it public or you know how long the secret can be kept, but That is because of Homelander, and I think it's really interesting to see him be called out for his short-sightedness, where Mm -hmm. I think he was really proud of himself for enacting that whole plan and getting himself into the military, and now what, you know? And maybe that can shift us over to talking about about our friend Homelander. Um, I also wanted to ask, have you seen Cobweb yet? No, it was, it has, it's not playing here. It's, it's like not so playing anywhere. It's like the, I was like, this has got to be a money laundering scheme because why on earth would you dump a Halloween movie on Barbenheimer weekend? It's so it's stupid. So good. Yeah, it's, and, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I've heard that and I'm sure it will pop up eventually. But yeah, everything, all my theaters around me are just dominated by 
the big, I mean, there's a lot of, even outside of those two, mm-hmm. then you, I mean, there's still like Indiana Jones and the transport, like there's all these there's like mission huge, impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Mission impossible. It's all, all these big giant titles. And then yeah. Co- having cobweb out there is just kind of curious, but I can't, I can't wait to see it. Cause I've heard that Anthony stars like pretty creepy in it and like brings some homelander attitude to it is what i've heard he does yeah and i mean it is another like mind-boggling part of this whole thing is it's a halloween movie like it is set the week before halloween so why Mm. on earth are we dropping it in july anyways and i saw somebody tweeted something like that and anthony star anthony star replied amen so Mm, but he's frustrated with that too yeah it is a very good movie I'm not going to say much about it, except that he does bring Homelander energy, um, even though it's a very different character. But it's still this archetypal protector kind of character that, you know, maybe you shouldn't trust. And he's Mm. just he's I I want him in everything. He's fantastic. Um, But yeah, we see him (laughs) giving a speech at Translucent's funeral. I would love to get your thoughts on this funeral. Oh, this funeral. It felt so i hated how believable it felt Uh like like this was just like such a televised event right Mm -hmm. like so performative also it's pretty convenient that translucent is like see-through exactly (laughs) like like, i'm not sure if there's another soup that they really could have like milked this and like gotten away with this but the Mm -hmm. fact that he's clear like when he's you know that that like clear coffin that's up there it's just like there he is it's like right nothing in there oh. so funny and just hearing it's just also the fact that you know homelander's never gonna waste a moment to platform mm-hmm. even at a funeral like totally inappropriate but the fact that he's up there telling people like i will save you mm-hmm. like oh my god homelander like what do you think you're doing and then of course like starlight comes out and it's just like is there anything you can't do when she starts singing and Mm -hmm. all the people outside it's it feels like an awards show or something but it's just a superhero funeral i guess yeah the shirt the t-shirts two for 64 Mm dollars or 62 dollars like oh my gosh this is just such an event and i mean knowing that it's been probably at least weeks since Vaught has known that he died and that they have waited till the perfect opportunity right. to blame his death on El Diablo, I think is the super, super terrorist or super villain, whichever mm-hmm. one the marketing team ends up on, um, that they're able to blame it on, on them. And it just reminded me a lot of the Believe Expo. And, you mm-hmm. know, Randall went, uh, he went really deep into kind of this, this pastor-like um, speech pattern that Homelander has and this ability to really kind of, like you said, platform and really read the room really well because mm-hmm. he doesn't, like if you really dissect what he's saying, it is gross. But if you're in the room, you're like, Oh, Homelander. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's it's also I mean, you think about like we recently had we didn't, but the UK losing the Queen. Mm-hmm. And just like what a spectacle that was, right? right? And then the spectacle of ushering in the new king and like the changing of the guard and like how 
dramatic all of that was, this felt very similar in that respect. And the way that they're kind of, it feels like anyways, like Va is using this death to sort of reiterate the importance of the soups mm-hmm. in America, moving towards sort of Homelander's agenda of getting them in the military and just sort of building a communal atmosphere around centered around this grief mm-hmm. which is just the excuse i mean we've seen that right like we've seen how uh on a larger scale like a massive event like 9 11 can really like build some sort of patriotic spirit right everybody rallies together and this feels similar on a smaller scale but nonetheless powerful and you know vat's not going to be stupid enough to just waste that they're going to use it to put out their propaganda and marketing as much as they can. And I think they did a pretty good job, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have, I believe, made the con- the comparison between Homelander and a particular former president. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we kind of see this ability to turn a weakness into a strength yeah. with Homelander also. And like, there's always a spin. And as long as you can get enough people behind you believing it, it doesn't really matter what the truth is. And I think Homelander is just just really, really good at harnessing that kind of energy. And I think a lot of the reason he's been able to do it is because there are people like Mr. Egger behind the scenes facilitating a lot of that. And I don't think he had really realized how much of that facilitation had been going on, you know? Yeah. Um, one thing I think is really interesting, going back to that conversation with Mr. Edgar, is he's threatening to quit. He's like, my right. contract's up at the end of the year. It's like, where the fuck are you going to go, Homelander? Were you going to get a job at the other superhero company? I mean, I guess like, he could go into PR. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he could, yeah. What, he's probably going to like buy Twitter or something, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it's it's... I think he thinks that Vought needs him, and I don't think he realizes how much he needs Vought too. Because, like, what is he going to be without this entire mechanism behind him? Like, who's going to make his suits? He's not mm-hmm. making those suits, you know? And I think he's just such a narcissist that he doesn't see that. It, it, and, that's so, it's so funny, too, because it's like he, more than anybody, knows about what Compound V is and, like, mm-hmm. how these soups were manufactured, basically, so it's it's funny to me that he would think that he would be irreplaceable when it's like we could literally make another one. Exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> like he should yeah. know more than anybody how replaceable he is. Mm-hmm. But it's just something in his it's his own ego, I think, that's not allowing him to see that clearly. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a tiny bit of fear too. Like, what if they do? I have to like keep my dominance. I have to make sure. Like, they don't think about that either and that they always see me as the most important thing. And we get a mention of Soldier Boy. Mm. Can't remember if we've heard about him before. Um, there's not, nothing to say about that except that we know he was fighting, I think, or World War II era. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is going to figure prominently in the future. Um, very excited because he's played by a very dreamy actor. Um, let's talk about, uh, old Thirsty Homelander revisiting Madeline's office and just, uh, I guess wanting to be close to her one last time. (laughs) It's just so weird. It's so weird. He finds some of her old, you know, frozen breast milk in the fridge and decides to warm it up and drink it (laughs) just to, you know, have one last 
rendezvous, I guess, with uh, oh. with Madeline in a, a spirit way. So gross. I'm not yeah. sure how long breast milk keeps for. Maybe it keeps. I don't know. Maybe it keeps frozen for a long time, but it's probably still okay. I think. I don't think it would be if it was frozen. If it was frozen right away, which it probably was. Since me going back to my extensive. Um, milk knowledge yeah it's probably okay although i can't imagine it tastes very good still but it's like you murdered this woman right and it just it's just like that weird odd disconnect where he's like has i mean he's has no like he's a sociopath right yeah like or maybe a psychopath i can't remember the difference but like such a lack of emotional awareness and connection Mm -hmm. and you know I guess if Madeline's the mommy, then Mr. Edgar's the daddy. And I don't know if that's really the trade that he wanted to make. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure how how he's going to be happy with that. Um, And speaking of mommy, Ashley's back. Yay! I was so happy. I was like, yay. I think that is my, yeah, Ashley's back. I loved it. I was so excited to see her. But then very quickly it was like, oh, she's back because Homelander knows that he can just basically just steamroll her and use her because they have this dynamic and because she was under Madeline, he just automatically knows that like, I would rather deal with you, somebody I know, somebody that I know that I can get, you know, my way with than have, than risk somebody new coming in that I'm, I'm not familiar with and who might be difficult to deal with. And so I was sad to see her kind of be put in that position but i like seeing her on screen i do too she i've been sitting on this like when she left i was like i can't say she's gonna be back (laughs) but i was so excited to when i saw her back for the first time too um and she immediately like capitulates like she Mm -hmm. he's she's like oh 2000 called their office and then homelander like says he likes it and then she immediately is like oh yeah yeah i think it's great and she's just the perfect person for this role. But I, the amount of abuse she's going to have to take from him, because yeah. not only did he specifically hire her, like you said, to steamroll her, but also like she is going to take all of this residual resentment he had for Madeline because she's gone and he can't yeah. argue with her anymore. And she's just going to have to suck it up or leave. Um but I wanted to mention her before we completely move on from Homelander because we have this really upsetting scene with Blindspot, who is a auditioning to be in the Seven. Uh-huh. He is a differently abled superhero, and oh, what were you expecting Homelander to do? What he did there? No, that was brutal. That was. I yeah. mean, and just the fact that he was so openly brutal. Mm-hmm. Like he could have made his point with words, but he chose not to. He chose to literally like ha- inflict irreparable damage on this person who just moments earlier was so sweet and excited to meet him. Mm-hmm. And then he just like, wow, what an asshole. And then also, I mean, I guess it was effective because I think that's the moment where Ashley was like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. You are terrifying and awful and really scary and like, okay, I guess, I guess I have no power here. And, but yeah, poor blind spot. I know. Oh, it just like, if I think too much about it, I can get really upset because it is really upsetting. 
Um, but I think there's also like this is an escalation for Homelander too. The fact that he would just do this, you know, yeah. like I think about some of the things he did in the last episode with the first plane in the first episode and then the major plane series and a lot of the stuff I think he does because he knows he can he no one sees him and that he's he's doing it in front of Maeve who's not going to say anything right and just the fact that like he's not looking around to see who else might be in this gym he's not checking for cameras he just like maims this person like permanently disables him probably who knows what kind of brain damage he's given this poor kid and so just the fact that he would just do this out in the open, I think, is a, a kind of significant escalation, which is yeah. very scary. And really upsetting, too, just the things mm-hmm. he was saying about letting, you know, who he would want to be in the seven. Right. It was also just like, oh, wow, that is yucky on a whole other level. <laughs> like the, lots of layers of yuck to this whole scene yeah. and all having to do with Holmander. Yeah, well, and it goes back to that conversation with Mr. Edgar, too, about the the history of Vought mm-hmm. and, you know, experimenting on human beings and just seeing certain people as real and valid and other people as not. And I think, you know, without spoiling, that's a theme that we're going to see a little more of in this season, which is going to be something we're going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it's going to be fun, but it's going to give a lot of food for thought. Um, Before we move on, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Jeremy Scott, who has wrote, have you ever heard of The Ables? Mm -mm. It's a YA series about differently abled superheroes. And it's, there's about five books in it. It's really good. It's, um, it's gotten a lot of really great reviews and Jeremy Scott is really cool and he's a really great guy. Um, So yes, definitely check that out. If you want more Blindspot action, Blindspot is not a part of that, but He's a definitely able superhero, so check out the Ables. It's great. Um, all right. Well, is there anything we want to say about Ashley before we move on? Other than I love her. I mean, I'm hopeful that she's able to get through this and get some of her confidence because she was like, I thought she was so funny and smart and witty, and like I didn't agree with the things she was doing necessarily in the first season, but I felt like she was very sharp and mm-hmm. right here in this episode i think it's like she's she got broke <laughs> she's broken at yeah. the moment and i get it like totally get it like homelander i think scared the shit out of her in a few different ways and so i don't know i just hope that she's able to kind of recoup some of that strength yeah did you see when um another person we're going to talk about in a minute joins the seven and she's like oh no i didn't know anything about it yep. oh my god like she's Looks terrified, terrified. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and i mean rightly so he could right. literally fry her um before we talk about that new member let's talk about our favorite himbo um just <laughs> living it up at applebee's He's very upset about this funeral, more upset that they have cropped him out of an image with his bestie translucent than I think he is actually about translucent's death. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> and then he gets very drunk at the Sandusky slash splash pad, gets arrested. He's screaming about being alone and he's yelling in his Nate Gossip Girl voice, you think water's supposed to be fun, you little motherfuckers? <laughs> oh my God. I just, it's like, hello, Chase Crawford as the deep. I love you. Yes. Oh my God. When he was like, just give me another lava flow. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> he's like, 
such a dumb bro and it's like what did you think what it's just so funny to see like the levels of realization that's like no dude you're out Mm -hmm. like they are phasing you out they are done with you like to see him like slowly coming to that realization and how long it takes Mm -hmm. is just like oh you poor sweet beautiful boy you're so dumb Mm. and yeah it's like he's going through all these what are they like the stages of grief Uh or whatever it's like first it was like denial and now it's like anger and now Mm -hmm. it's like so at some point he's gonna he has to get to like the acceptance right and Mm -hmm. so oh but he's still wearing still wearing the uniform not giving up (laughs) like we've never seen him out out of that uniform i don't think i wonder if he even has other clothes yeah that thing's got to smell i don't i don't want to think about it but yeah seeing him get drunk seeing him get arrested deep's not in a good place and he is um cut out of all the the marketing material there's like a big standy thing that we see that he's been cut out of and Mm -hmm. (sighs) would you say he's in a vulnerable position and ripe to be preyed (laughs) upon by some new characters so we meet first eagle the archer this is also the beginning of my love affair with fresca i'm sorry my re Mm. reuniting with what's the word i'm looking for my re my remembering that i used to love fresca (laughs) yes fresca Fresca is gonna figure prominently with these characters and i love it so much um so we have eagle the archer who bails out um the deep even though deep is like are you I've met you a couple of times, but you mm-hmm. weren't important enough for me to remember. So who cares? But he says, even heroes need a hand sometimes. And then we also meet Carol, who works for the Church of the Collective, who is Eagle the Archer's teacher. And they are going to try to help Deep get back in the seven. So I would love to hear your first impressions of these two characters. This is quite intriguing. This is something I didn't necessarily see coming. And I, you know, it's like, this is this is quite curious eagle the archer seems like a very nice guy on the outset of it seems like he's genuinely like wanting to help him out but then once he yeah he sits down with carol i you know there's some red flags that are going mm-hmm. up right like you're seeing these red flags talking yeah the frescas it's like yeah. oh, that's weird <laughs> wait they're both doing that that's interesting mm-hmm. and talk when she starts talking about like you know therapy is actually really destructive Uh like I'm a teacher and it's just the way how careful she was with her words and it's like why are they helping him why do they give you know two shits about the deep and yeah I'm I'm quite interested what does she say oh you have it here it says she said if you don't have any self-esteem issues why are you constantly demeaning women and it was like yeah. oh t- like, like you're right, right. girl <laughs> right so there, there's like part of me that's hoping like her motives are you know positive and good mm-hmm. and altruistic but i don't think that's necessarily gonna be the case <laughs> yeah i couldn't remember how far how much we learned about them in this episode and actually had them in the boys column at first because like they do present as good guys and yeah we don't know that they're not because you know she makes that one statement that is very true and that yeah. deep needs to hear and then she's talking about um therapy being destructive it's the second time i've wanted to bring up tom cruise on this podcast mm-hmm. once was mm-hmm. when i was talking about reading the room 
with the jump the couch moment. And then this just screams Scientology to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we will we shall see. Um, but I love that like they could easily have just written the deep out after the first season. And I think they left him on a perfect note to leave that character behind. And I love that they don't, that there, there's more to say about this kind of person because people don't get, I'm going to say canceled, even though that bugs the shit out of me, but that's essentially what has happened to him. Yeah. Um, people don't disappear after that. They keep going and they find other channels and, I, and they become very vulnerable. And I think that's when a lot of people get radicalized. And I love that we are continuing to explore this character and where he's going. In such a hilarious and beautiful way, also. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, we got one more um, bad boy to talk about, although it's a bad girl. Our newest member of the seven, allegedly, because the ink is apparently very still wet on her contract, um, we have Stormfront. So what do you think about Stormfront? I loved how she just waltzes in live streaming on instagram or whatever and they're filming a commercial she's calling bullshit on all of it and just walks it like oh yeah there's no way you know him homelander is just gonna like walk around in the trenches that like everybody else like this is a studio and showing all of that like publicly so that's the other thing and just announces herself catches everybody off guard mave homelander Ashley catches them all off guard announcing that she's joining in this way. I also love that she's from Portland. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she gave me very strong Portland vibes and yes. I have no idea of what like any of her powers are or what her backstory is, but just the way she waltzes in and it's like she's not necessarily like, well, she's excited to be in the 7, but also not like, oh my god, I can't believe this. It's Homelander like she is not intimidated by him at all and Mm. watching that catch them off guard was so funny (laughs) yes yeah and Maeve too you know Mm -hmm. because Homelander is gonna be threatened by anyone I think coming in new but to see Maeve be like oh shit this is gonna shake some things up and then to see how terrified Ashley is I don't want to say anything about Stormfront yet because I don't know if I trust myself not to spoil, but I will say she is played by Aya Cash and I love her. She is on par with Ashley as an actress and a character that I just love to see because she is so fun. She is really like, I love her haircut, you know, she's just like, she feels like kind of like a breath of fresh air and a like, oh shit moment. What are we in for this season? You know? And she seems like somebody who's been operating and living, you know, understandably kind of outside of the, you know, the industrial complex. Mm -hmm. And so she's coming in with sort of a different perspective. Like we're already seeing that just the way she's like dealing with them literally in front of her, just the way she's talking to them and addressing them. She's coming in with just such a different energy and how she's using social media to like connect with people. And it's like, oh, that's a little bit different and kind of maybe a slightly different demographic than would be supporting Starlight at first, who was, you know, doing the the whole Bible circuit kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, it, God, just when, 
you could I just love that she's on social because it's like Homelander wants to say and do so many things uh-huh. but just he can't because he's being recorded and then like how you're seeing people's like comments and they're just like oh he's shook like <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and I was listening to a conversation or a podcast about wrestling and there was some term that they used it was like kayfabe or something I'm probably saying that wrong but it was essentially the audience knows this is bullshit. The The performers know it's bullshit. Or not bullshit, yeah. but an act. And right. we all pretend we don't know that it's an act. And I think yeah, yeah, kayfabe, yeah. kayfabe. Mm-hmm. And she is bringing that element in because I think for the longest time, Vought has been pretending that all of this is really real and that right. apple pie superheroes are real. And she is, I think, bringing this level of awareness and really reading this social media audience in this moment and thinking, no, they can handle seeing behind the scenes. They're still going to buy into it because they want to buy into it, you know? Yeah, she still wants to join. Like, she doesn't yeah. have to be a member of the Seven. Like, she still clearly, like, wants to take on this gig. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I think she's just, yeah, is seeing it differently and approaching the job differently. So, yeah. 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 And I'm looking forward to talking about her in future episodes. And that's all I'll say for now. Um, Speaking of spicy girls, let's move into our spice girls column category. We've already talked about Annie's fantastic song, but just one more time. It's streaming on Vodify, so you can (laughs) find it. But I'm going to see if I can link the video in our show notes because really do yourselves a favor and check this video out. It is really fantastic. And man, Erin Moriarty, like, she killed it on that song. That's not a hard song or not an easy song. Um, but yeah, so we see her. She's, <laughs> she's towing the party line. She is really just brown nose and Homelander. Um, and I think we see behind her facade also, there's this really nice musical montage to Pressure by, I believe, Billy Joel. Yeah. Um, where... Butler Huey, we're going to talk about Huey in a minute, but where Starlight is like peeling off her the layers of her suit, and we're really kind of seeing how much this act is weighing on her, you know? Yeah. It does seem like that it's like she's more aware of the character versus Annie now than I think mm-hmm. she was before, and starting to like realize that, you know, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but it's like, okay, she's finally starting to understand how this works a little bit more and how she mm-hmm. can make it work for her rather than yeah. like fighting it, which I think we saw her doing in the, a lot in the last season. And here it feels like she's a little bit more at peace or at least willing to go along with for the meantime, like, okay, I see how this works. Like I'm willing to put on the wig and the costume and be starlight, this version of starlight right now. And mm-hmm. I'll be Annie at home when I strip all that away. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that is because she's working with Huey now. Right. Um, And I think in the last season, she was slowly starting to lose her faith and she really felt like, there was nothing she could do about it. And it was just thing after thing after thing being taken away from her. And she was finding her own power, but she was constantly like hitting walls and nobody, she felt like nobody was really supporting her. I'm just totally speaking for her right now. Not channeling any of my own frustration. <laughs> um, but I think now she's got this outlet of at least knowing that Huey sees all of this too. And like, at least, even though he is lying to her and she doesn't know if she can totally trust him, like, She's like, okay, well, there is something I can do that will maybe make a difference. And 
if I have to put on a show right now, at least there's a reason for it now, other than just to make Vought more money, you know? Yeah. It's also smart too, I think, because Mm -hmm. she is kind of like, she is suspicious and she does want to reveal some of these Vought secrets behind the scenes by putting up this facade of like, I'm just, you know, I'm going along with this. I'm doing this. It kind of throws Homelander and, you know, the other Vought powers that be a little off the scent. So they're not suspicious of her. Whereas before she was very openly kind of like, you know, stirring things up a little bit. It seems like here she's going along with things, which might make it easier for her to sneak around in the background without raising any like gigantic red flags or getting more eyes put on her. So it's also smart, I think. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think she is one of the smartest characters on the show. And I think she's kind of trying to figure out how she can maybe get out of it. Maybe she sees a light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Yeah. Um, Let's skip. I want to talk about Gecko since we were just talking about Annie. Oh my God. In this, in my notes, I wrote, Oh, I would date him. (laughs) He has got just the perfect amount of like nerdy, skinny beanpole energy that I just am really into. I think it's the same reason I love Adam Driver. You know, there's kind of that Mm. similar kind of energy. Although, Adam Driver, I think, could kick the shit out of Gecko. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Okay. So uh, what do you think about Gecko and this uh this SM um just ooh, thing? Yeah. It's I mean it's fascinating to me. I love seeing these little glimpses of like what kind of not A-list soups have to do to like mm-hmm. exist in this world and how they can use their powers to their advantage because it's like everybody's got to make a living right right and you know gecko lets people chop off parts of his body because they'll grow back and that's like so like such a incredibly niche like black market thing to sell and that is wild but also it doesn't I mean it doesn't seem to hurt him at all right so like make your money where you can but like so weird and gross right oh how that guy got so excited about just being able to chop somebody's arm off but I guess also like maybe that's a safe way to like and a safe outlet i guess like yeah. if you're feeling those urges like i'd rather you i guess chop off gecko's arm than like somebody else's who's not gonna grow back so i guess that's <laughs> i guess he's doing a service in that way <laughs> right well and i mean sex work is sex work and mm-hmm. you know we don't judge <laughs> i think i love his line delivery too he's like whatever floats your boat cowboy you do mm-hmm. whatever you want um and yeah i i don't know part of me is like yeah, but it, would it lead to him chopping off somebody's arm down the road that's not Gecko because he experienced the thrill once? But that's not Gecko's problem. Gecko yeah. doesn't need to worry about that, dude. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe if Vought would pay him, I, I'm just assuming they don't pay very well because, mm-hmm. um, you know, why would they? Then he wouldn't have to turn to that for work, yeah. you know? Um yeah gecko and then he has this really nice conversation with annie and it's really sweet to see the two of them catch up although i remember thinking like wow she is in a dark place right now um and then she blackmails him and it's mm. yeah somebody she's known clearly for a long time they go way way back and Mm -hmm. just how kind of calmly she's able to put this person who's been really nice like being really nice to her and having a genuine conversation with her Mm -hmm. 
and just blackmails him like so ca- like callously yeah just well, like it's that's what you were saying last season hurt people hurt people you know and i think yeah. she's she's been really hurt and she's like fuck it it doesn't matter anymore you know yeah well and part of it it's like it is for a greater good it just yeah. sucks that she has to use somebody that she actually knows and like has this relationship and kind of hurt somebody she actually cares about on some sort of level you know mm-hmm. even if it's just sort of like peripherally or platonically that sort of way but that it has to be at the hands of somebody or at the expense i guess of somebody like that yeah because you know if you cut his hands off they'll just grow back so you know yeah but like if you're gonna like <laughs> if you cut his but do his fe- yeah his feelings do his like <laughs> his feelings his- don't grow back <laughs> Is his trust oh. in humanity going to grow back? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's like what we see with Butcher. And it's kind of what we saw Huey kind of reject towards the end of the season. It's like we can't put our mission above our humanity. And I think yeah. Annie's just at a really low point. I think she might be at the lowest of her disillusionment right mm-hmm. now, you know, where it's still very new and she hasn't really had a chance to process a lot and I mean I might be being generous but I don't know because I, I do understand why she does it um mm-hmm. you know and and Gecko is working for the enemy too you know although it sounds like his job is awful um yeah well okay speaking of Huey so he and Annie are clandestine dating I guess under cover of Subway he's living in a shithole with uh mm and frenchie and kamiko butcher is nowhere to be found yeah and he is really kind of wanting to take the lead he's not like he has this really moving but still like really sweet huey speech about like i don't have anything else this is all i like what am i gonna do if we just go on the run i don't have anything else i can do and maybe i can be he says Harry Potter. I'm choosing to focus on John Connor because yeah. <laughs> Terminator 2 is a perfect movie. Um, but yeah, what do you think about Huey in this episode? He, I mean, I can't blame him. He's, yeah, he makes a point to point out like he's kind of lost everything. So if he mm-hmm. loses this too, like, what does that mean? Like, what does mm-hmm. that say? And I mean, they're just, I, I think they all understand it a little bit differently. You know, you see Frenchie and MM like doing these services, making money, running drugs. It's like they're they are doing things because they're trying to save up and make a move later. And so mm-hmm. we see him kind of doing these things and they understand the severity of the situation, I think, a little bit different than Huey. But he doesn't necessarily have any of those skills in this situation. We see MM he, like helping heal people and stitch them up and get them, you know, doctoring them in that sort of way. And Frenchie obviously has a lot of connections with some illegal activities, but it's like, what is Huey going to do? So on top of everything, he's feeling helpless. And so he's just got to like, I don't know, it's that that anxiety, like what would, yeah, being trapped in some like basement with all of that, that would just be like. Uh, you just feel like you have to do something right yeah well and he also he still cares about starlight and i think you know and he is not the one that should be mad at her she is like he was in the wrong i think although we understand why he was lying to her but like Mm -hmm. he still really wants to be with her and to win her back and i think 
you know, once M.M. gets over wanting to kick his ass, um, they have this really interesting conversation about, like, you can't keep pulling her into this. Um, but I think both both Huey and Annie do want that. They want to be working together, but it is putting Annie in a lot of danger, too. And then we see Huey lie to her at the end. What do you think about that moment mm. at the very end when he chose not to say the horrific thing we're going to talk about in a minute? It's really frustrating, <laughs> you know, mm. because it's like she's giving him this opportunity to really trust her and like figure out a plan to basically fulfill his goal. And, and once again, he's in a difficult situation where he's kind of having to deal with his own like desires and agenda but then he's also got mm and frenchie and but you know he's got all these other friends and their lives that he's a part of too and yeah but once again like lies to her and she knows it like we can mm -hmm. see that literally like in her response to that she she knows that he's lying to her but once again he's doing it to protect her yeah. But, and I think and she so, knows that too, you know? I I know she knows that, but it's like, I have to think that if he told her, like, I don't understand why he's not telling her. Right. Like, she can't handle the fact that, like, the CIA, Rainer, her head exploded mm -hmm. and they have suspicions that it was somebody at, you know, Vought who had a hand in that because she knew or said too much and was putting the pieces together. Mm -hmm. So she was eliminated. Like, he couldn't couldn't handle or didn't think starlight could handle that information yeah that's a little disappointing i think because i think that she could and she's yeah. a goddamn superhero like she exactly. could protect herself <laughs> yeah it feels like we're past that you know and i i think i think it was just mm that got in his head and and i think the head exploding thing was very scary for him too and i think i don't know uh all right. Well, let's talk about M.M. I love him in this episode. Not a whole lot to say about him, except that we see him nearly bathing in Purell, which I get it, M.M. <laughs> uh, I would be doing that, too. Um, he just wants to go home. He misses his daughter, like the look on his face when he finds out that she's starting soccer. It's just really sweet and touching. Yeah, we, um, we see him like actually upset and angry in this episode. Like M.M. has been like this really consistently like sweet pillar of strength and reason, you know, and organization in so many episodes and acting from a place that seems like he's really thoughtful about his approach and understanding and patient in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And here it's like you get to see him like actually angry and upset and like letting that out and being a little bit more reactionary than we have in other ways, which is, and I think every, I mean, all of these characters know it as well. It's like, this is coming from a, just a place like this man is just, he wants his family. Like he's given mm -hmm. up so much, you know, more than, well, not more necessarily. I was like, Huey lost, I guess, at Robin. <laughs> this is, but like, I mean, this is his daughter and his wife and mm -hmm. that's, so seeing him struggle with that in some way, it just, you know, reaffirms that his humanness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, we're inching towards learning more, I think, about his anxiety and maybe his perfectionism. And I think mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it would feel like for someone like that to live in this grungy dungeon all the time and yeah. how much pressure that would put on him. 
But I think we see after he and Huey, after he is able to kind of vent his frustration with Huey and say, and really admit to himself, no, I don't want to kick your ass. I just want to go home. That's when he relaxes and he's right. able to like really kind of talk to Huey. Um, mm. And I think that is a skill that Huey has. You know, I think he is able to like say some things that people need to hear in a way that is not completely threatening to them. Because we saw him do it with Butcher last season too. Um, and then we have Kamiko and Frenchie. Not a whole lot to say about them, except we, I, I love that uh, Frenchie immediately knows about Katniss and just pulls that right out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just so sweet. I love him so much. But then Kamiko. So we see th- this is kind of a little B plot, I guess, where it feels like a little bit of an afterthought or a seed of something. Um, but we see that the people that they have been staying with have been smuggling humans in on a boat. And we see that one of them is a soup terrorist or a super mm-hmm. villain. And when they go to the scene of the crime, Kamiko finds something in the ship's wreckage. And so I'm curious about your thoughts about this. I mean, I assume it's going to go somewhere. I have no idea what she was trying to say, Um, but neither did Frenchie. So I feel okay about that (laughs) and hoping that it will come through. I mean, I love seeing her smile. I love seeing that it seems like she is like getting to a better place and she's trying to communicate which is mm. interesting like she's learning how to write and you know for a moment there it's like she was trying to speak but couldn't and so it's she's starting to feel like a part of the group and starting to kind of feel more comfortable around these people but she's also a huge asset because she is a soup so yeah. like that's you know an incredibly powerful asset to have and I can't wait to see what happens with that but yeah and then Frenchie he he's such a funny character because he's like literally the sweetest like person but also is like incredibly um able to run cocaine and fentanyl and stuff yeah he's very pragmatic you know yeah but he he understands it's like if we're gonna stay here we're gonna have to like help out this gang and like we're also gonna you know we need to make money so like let's just fall back on these ways and make money it doesn't mean we're going to do it forever but he's not Mm -hmm. above it I think you know I think Huey doesn't necessarily agree with that which you know I wouldn't either I would feel really awkward you know running cocaine too but yeah I think Frenchie just and MM even to some extent just sees it differently like this is just temporary and a means to an end Mm -hmm. it'll all it'll all work out later and we'll stop when we can Yeah. Well, and I think from what little we know about Frenchie's backstory like he comes from a life not necessarily of crime, but I think he is a lot more familiar with the criminal underbelly than yeah. I think definitely someone like Huey is who had been working in like a electronic express essentially. Um, and I think it's interesting that Frenchie is the one who calls Butcher finally, like la- very last moments of the episode. We see a bunch of big boots um, stomping <laughs> down the stairs. We hear an oi. Oh, before we mention Butcher, we got to talk about the reenactment of Madeline's death scene, which was giving me huge Scream 2 vibes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, yeah, the Chris Hansen you, reenactment. I dislike you already. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So funny. Love that they actually had Chris Hansen in that clip. Mm. And also just, 
I mean, I'm not sure if like Vought had a hand in that, but I sure they I'm sure they had a hand in the story that was released. And so that just the fact that it was Butcher that, you know, managed to completely kill Madeline all on the her own, all, all on his own. And then yeah, the baby was found like 17 miles away. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. It was also like a great, really funny, smart way to kind of tie up that loose end, I guess, a little mm-hmm. bit. And just mm-hmm. like provide a little bit of exposition. But the fact that, you know, it's through a, like a Dateline style reenactment is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm curious. I've got feelings about the fact that we didn't pick up on the lawn where we left off. And I kind mm-hmm. of am glad that we didn't because I really enjoyed seeing what has happened in Butcher's absence. But I think like we just see him in the final moments. And so we know nothing other than Vought's spin about what has happened to him. Has he talked to Becca? Where has he been? What's going on? So Mm -hmm. just curious about your thoughts about that. Um, Yeah, I would also like to have answers to all of those questions. (laughs) And I hope that we get some of them. The (laughs) tracksuit was an interesting choice, which they (laughs) made sure to point out. But maybe, you know, I was trying to read into that a little bit. I'm like, well, he feels cozy and comfortable. And, like, he's not, like, so concerned with giving off this, you know, illusion of, like, casual swagger. He's just, like, I'm just in my, like, velvet tracksuit. And <laughs> and he, he comes in with this, at, what does he say, daddy's home. Daddy's home, yeah. Which is also just so interesting because... It's like Frenchie knew that like Huey was probably going to do something rash. Mm-hmm. And so it was his way of like, you need to come here before something really bad happens before Huey does something that is either going to get him in trouble, get him arrested, get us all in trouble, get him killed. And so by Butcher coming back, it's almost it feels like he's like, OK, I'll come help you guys out. Yeah. And but I mean, he's also wanted, so it makes sense that he's not around. But yeah, you know, maybe that was his way of protecting them. Um, I don't know, but I'm glad he's back. Me too. I know, and it's kind of Mr. Edgar vibes of like I can wear the most ridiculous thing, and I'm still the strongest person in this room. And fuck <laughs> yeah. you, you know. Um, and oh god, oh yeah, and it's like I want, I can see leadership in Huey. And I think that he could become John Connor, but I don't know if he's totally there yet. And after this incredibly traumatic thing happens right in front of him, mm-hmm. I could see him shutting down and not being able to figure out what the next step is mm-hmm. because he has not had, I mean, he's still just really new. He's still kind of a babe in the woods with this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I do think they need Butcher and I'm glad to see him back because, you know, what's the boys without Butcher, you know? Yeah. Yeah, founding member. Yeah. Well, okay, and we got one, one more them. person. Copen. One of them, yes. <laughs> um, I got one more person to talk about. Not very much to say about this person. I can't even remember if we learn her name yet, but we've got Congressman, Congressman Newman, who mm. is, we just see her in a Talking Head news segment. Very heavy AOC vibes. She is opposed to the boys in the military. Um. Any first impressions about Congresswoman Newman? I mean, I assume 
just by her placement there that that will come into play later. And it is kind of nice to see like sort of a counter argument to this massive Vought presence because it doesn't feel like there's been like little moments, but to see somebody more on like an actual political level sort of opposing some of these decisions is interesting like i mean i love a good like political thriller and like conspiracy stuff so i'm i'm all about adding that element in and to see how how she connects officially if she does if that actually she engages with this storyline more directly well mom's the word for me (laughs) (laughs) i want to say more but i will not um all right. Well, let's move into good versus evil. Um, I, the only thing I had, which is where we talk about overarching themes that mm-hmm. we haven't already covered with our characters. I think we've already talked about the one I have, which was just the boys laid low. Like they're just, they're in a real bad yeah. place. Um, but you have a really interesting um, note here about power vacuums. Yeah, it was funny. They kept reminding me of that Seinfeld episode where they're talking about hand and George mm-hmm. is in this relationship. He's like, I have no hand. <laughs> so um, then he breaks up with her so that he, you know, then she wants him back and then he yeah. has the hand. And it just seems like there's this in so many different ways, there's like this power vacuum and we're seeing these characters really kind of like either seize or feel that pressure to do something because all of a sudden somebody who had power is no longer there so we Mm -hmm. get that you know with edgar and homelander like we talked about and then we see huey and frenchie and mm doing that you know without butcher it's like well what do we do do we just sit here on our hands are we going to move forward Mm -hmm. and then obviously butcher comes back and is like nope that's mine i'm going to take that back (laughs) yeah and you know even like Starlight and Huey, I think, are having some sort of like he lies to her again. And so it's like, why can't they be equal partners? Why does he feel like I don't, I don't know. There's something weird there yeah. as well. I was going to say, it feels like we've gone past a point of no return with some of that. It's like, yes, Butcher can come back in and say, no, this is mine. But things have fundamentally changed since right. he left because he was he left them behind. And. I think it's going to be interesting to see how things kind of realign and where, because everything is really just kicked up into the dust right now, you know, Yeah. and how is it going to settle, you know? Yeah. And then, and then like a larger scale, even like we see, so, you know, Rainer, the CIA, Rainer, obviously yeah. like something happens there and we think, uh, you know, suspicions that it's Vought related. So even like, Vought the power kind of dynamic shift between like Vought and the government, Vought and the CIA, and just sort of how those two massive entities are going to have to deal with each other when it's like they both know that there's some shady shit going on. But like, okay, but who's actually going to be in control of this situation? Mm -hmm. DVD. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's an interesting point. And I think you know, for a show that is fundamentally, I think, about power and different manifestations of power, it feels like just everything is is kind of up in the air. And some some and it's the thing that I love about the show is that it doesn't bullshit us. You know, it doesn't make Huey the dashing hero now. It's like, no, he has gone a little further, but he's still really struggling with this. And he and Starlight have come to an understanding and they are working together, but they're not there yet. And because mm-hmm. that's that's reality, you know, and I just love that the show doesn't lie to us, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, all right. Well, let's move into shock and awe. We've already talked about a lot of these. Um, let's see. Oh, what do you think about Black Noir and his little stuffed animal at the very end of this killing spree? It's so cute. I like, I just, I want to know everything about this person. Like, he's just, yeah, I don't, he does all these horrible things, but like is willing to take a moment out and just like have this goofy, but it's like kind of creepy. Like if I was like, like, I don't know if I would find that like comforting, like that Mm. actually might be worse. (laughs) Exactly. I just, there's a shot too, where like we see the head. Mm-hmm. Of still on a body and then seamlessly Black Noir is just carrying the head in his hands. And it just, this scene is so well filmed. And I would totally watch um, a spinoff with Mr. Edgar and Black Noir, just like odd couple in it around Vought Tower, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you're right. It's just like, those little moments. It's like there is more, uh, more to this character. And yes. I want to know. We've already mentioned Translucent's Funeral, Annie's Song, again, go mm-hmm. watch it, Needle Drops, some great ones. Oh, we got Seth Rogen in this episode. Again, love yep. it. And he is a producer, so I believe he's a producer. Um, producer and pe- perpetual teenager. Um, <laughs> and then we have Susan Rayner's Head Explode, which the graphics of this were... I was not expecting that. Okay, at all. I wasn't either. <laughs> I legit like jumped. <laughs> like it was like a jump scare for me because I was oh. just like, oh my gosh, like what is she saying? The pieces she's putting together. Like I was so engaged. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, her no. Oh God. Like I, I was not <laughs> expecting that to happen. Oh, and so then Hue- it- Huey constantly yelling, our head's going to explode. <laughs> It got me good. So, Ooh, yeah, way yep. to kick off a season premiere, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, I also want to just mention, I just watched Jaws 3D the other day, starring <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Yeah. I just love Jack Quaid so much. Like, just seeing him, that young Dennis Quaid, and yep. how similar they look, and their same kind of, like, really kind of charming, goofy energy. Just love them. Yeah, I also invigorated. <laughs> also wanted to point out that I finally, we finally got a glimpse of Annie's apartment in that like montage. Yes. I was like, yes, I just want to <laughs> see where they live. Mm. And it's a pretty nice apartment. Oh, yeah. Pretty nice. Pretty fancy. And it was just like a few little shots. Um, but I was really excited about that. And I hope that we get to see more of the soups. Um living quarters in Vought Tower because I'm, I'm yeah very curious <laughs> that would be a perfect like social media thing for them to do like I want to Avot cribs you know I want to yeah. see all of their apartments VTV like, cribs exactly oh yes oh my god that would be awesome um all right well as we're winding down let's move into one of our last categories choose your fighter where we pick our mvps of the episode and tell why we love them rachel who are you picking this episode so my mvp was mr edgar just because i loved seeing him in here a little bit more in like a larger capacity and just the way he just comes in like a total badass and let's homelander the federal government kind of just whine and bitch to him but also just puts them in their place immediately mm-hmm. while just keeping so calm and composed and he just 
you know, he's a man that has all the power and knows it and it gave me goosebumps. And I just, it was um, a nice contrast, I think, to like, especially Homelander just kind of running amok with this like new sense of power to see (laughs) something so different and strong. And it just, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I love Mr. Edgar. It makes me want to watch Breaking Bad again, even though mm-hmm. that show is such an emotional roller coaster for me. Like, I don't know if I could do it again, but yeah. oh, I just love him so much. He's a close second for me. My MVPs of the episodes, man, I cannot decide. So I'm going to pick two. I'm going to pick Gecko and Ashley <laughs> nice. because so much fun. And because I know I'm going to be picking several of the the bigger ones, like I just want to give Gecko a little shout out because I think he's yeah. just the perfect Gecko is just such a perfect name for him, you know. Mm-hmm. He's got big Gecko energy, and I'm so happy to see Ashley back. Um, yeah, so those are mine. Um, but Mr. Echo, Mr. Edgar is a close second. All right, well, let's move into predictions. What do you think is going to happen next, and what are you excited to see? Well, you know, I can't wait to hear what Butcher has been up to since we last saw him, since I imagine that will be one of the first questions that they ask him, like, where have you been? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Did you kill Madeline? Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, now that he knows about Becca, like, what what does that mean? Are you guys back together? Like, what, like, what is going on with that? Or, and like, they don't know that, I don't think, but so is he going to tell them about Becca and all reveal all of that? And you know, I also, I think Starlight might go rogue without Huey because she seems to be having some, you know, he's lying to her and she knows it. So that's, that's my prediction. I think Homelander is going to make some stupid rash decisions <laughs> or act out in some other disgusting way because Homelander I don't know. would never. Yeah, because he's <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> yeah, he's been shut down by Mr. Edgar and feeling, you know, he's feeling a little unsettled and frustrated like a little boy and um can't wait to see what happens with stormfront and learn more about her she seems like a spicy little soup and i think that she's gonna inject some uh energy into the seven in a different way than starlight did so can't wait to see that happen yeah she's gonna give us a little portlandia i think yeah, would be fun. Put a put a little bird on her costume. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. All right. Well, let's wrap up with some plugs. Rachel, where can we find you, and what do you have coming up? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and Threads, I guess, uh, at the Vinyl Girl G R R R L, or oh God, Twitter X. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm there for now at yeah. Vinyl Girl. Um, and you can also catch me on the Halloweenies and the Losers Club and the Pod and Pendulum here and there. So you can find all of those wherever you find this podcast and other <laughs> podcasts. And you can find me at Jim Ferratu on just various social places. I probably will never delete my Twitter account, but I don't know. It just, I just can't do going, it. Anymore. Going down with the ship. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Um, and you can find me hosting the Losers Club podcast and also the uh, White Ladies in Crisis podcast also on this very fine network, which reminds me, we want to give a huge thank you to the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad. Make sure to check out the other fantastic shows in the feed. And that's going to be it for this episode of The Girls and the Boys. We are going to be back in your ears in two weeks to talk about 
season two, episode two, and we just might have a guest with us. So until then, remember, you guys, you're the real heroes. Squad.